The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we start a new series, Ride Guide, where we break down what you need to know about the different attractions at Walt Disney World. Find all the episodes of this podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered, or you can support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. Get started by emailing josephchung at travelmation.net. If you have any questions for the podcast, email us DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, Disney Deciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. Welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So on today's episode, we're going to start a new series. It's called Ride Guide. Thank you, Leslie, to your daughter for coining that. It rhymes. It's nice and simple. And what we're going to do basically is we're going to take a couple of attractions and break them down because, Leslie, the first time I went to Disney World after a long time, I found myself just reading about every attraction that there was to try to figure out whether it worked for my family and for myself and for my kids. Our hope is for this to be a audio version uh, breaking down the different attractions that are in the parks. Definitely. And you and I both have kids who, at least some of our kids who are cautious and have things that are odd and maybe a little bit unexpected, like what bothers them about certain rides. So we're hoping to be able to call that out because we can address some of the idiosyncrasies that various kids have and hopefully alert you to whether or not you should push your kid to ride some of these rides as well. Yeah, and the other impetus for this series is I had a friend, non-Disney friend, who went and I insisted she go on Flight of Passage and she absolutely hated it. But after she was done, she wanted to listen to people's opinions about it. And I realized people love talking and hearing about the attractions that they've done when they come back from their Disney vacation. So if you're in Disney withdrawal mode, hopefully this will help you as well. Before we get started, though, we want to thank our patrons. You can sign up at patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered, where you receive bonus content. For everyone who subscribes at the Disney Decipherer level and above, you receive our unfiltered episodes where we talk about things like how to fix Genie Plus. And for all of our patrons, you get live trip reports. So we really appreciate it. And we also know we owe you all an unfiltered. So we are going to get you two for the month of May. But Leslie, who are we thanking this week? We are thanking Eileen L., Mo B and Sarah L. Thank you so much for supporting the show. So on today's episode, we're going to be breaking down two attractions, uh, both of the Pandora attractions at Animal Kingdom. So that is Flight of Passage and Navi River Journey. We are going to go through the system that we're going to use to break down these attractions, your ride guide, as we go through the attractions. Quickly, before we get started, just want to give a big spoiler alert. This is not an episode you want to listen to if you don't want to know what happens in these attractions, because we're going to talk about them, what happens in them, our feelings of them, and even uh, key moments in the attractions. Let's get started with Flight of Passage, Leslie. Tell us where can we find it and some of the attraction history and some of the basics about Flight of Passage. 
All right, so it's located in Animal Kingdom in Pandora. It opened in 2017, so gosh, it's been five years. And you were there for the opening weekend, Joe. Um, I guess hashtag disclosure, right? Because you were there as part of the media event. But that's right. Long time ago. (laughs) Five years later, we're still disclosing. We're trying our best. It's really just been, I mean, a huge, huge hit. The reviews for it initially were rave and they continue to be, I mean, obviously there are people who are still going to Disney World for the first time in five years and riding it for the first time. And it was the brainchild of Joe Rohde. I mean, all of Pandora, of course, was his. So his impact is everywhere. And of course, he's no longer an Imagineer. So we have to watch for him elsewhere, but we can still ride... uh, The Rides in Pandora and Flight of Passage is just one of the best e-tickets probably that has ever been created. Yeah, I only know one person who has ever not liked this attraction, and that's that's my aforementioned friend who was the inspiration for this episode. So shout out to you, Corey, and thank you for your inspiration and for hating this attraction so much. I'll tell you why uh, as we get through this. Those of you who are in the know about movies know that the Avatar 2 trailer just dropped, uh, not for public consumption yet, but at CinemaCon and uh, eye roll. We'll see how those movies go. They're going to make four more of them. So I know you're pumped, Leslie. I I did go back and watch the original movie during the pandemic just because I was like, you know, I know this was a huge box office hit, but I don't remember any of it. And even watching it a second time, I didn't remember any of it. So, um, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that the movie doesn't stick in your memory because the ride stands alone as, you know, an achievement in and of itself. Yes, imagine if it was a property that you cared about, which we'll get to in a future Ride Guide episode because those attractions exist. All right, so let's talk a little bit about what you need to know. The height requirement for this attraction is 44 inches. And the premise and backstory of this attraction, although it's tough to catch it these days, is you're there with Ace Expeditions, which is you're basically on tour in Pandora, and you're going to get to use this technology to sync up with a Navi and take part in their rite of passage on Flight of Passage. Leslie, it was like four months ago that I realized that Flight of Passage was a riff on the term rite of passage. Wow, Joe. (laughs) Excellent investigative reporting at the uh, media event. They should have made it more explicit, okay? The sub- <laughs> the subtext was not clear enough. But the rite of passage for the Navi is connecting with a banshee, which is kind of like a pterodactyl-type creature, kind of looks like a dinosaur with big wings. And so you'll be flying on a banshee as you are, you know, you kind of mind meld with a Navi, and you know, that's the whole premise of the attraction. So let's go through the attraction run-through. And this is, you know, not all the attractions are we going to be talking about this, but this is an attraction where the queue really... Really deserves a shout out. So tell us a little bit about the queue, Leslie. All right. Well, I'm only telling from sort of YouTube videos and just sort of general word of mouth because I'm, I think you've never done standby. No, I've never done standby. And I think a lot of people are probably in this boat who are Disney fans. And now I take that back. I have walked through quickly the standby queue because I have rope dropped the attraction. But when the crowds are moving really fast and you're not actually waiting in standby at rope drop, you don't get to really see what's going on in the queue. You're just walking as fast as possible not to get past. (laughs) So yeah, I haven't done it. So maybe this will be something that I know it's not something that I'll do. I won't stand in line for a really long time. But anyway, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've walked through it. So there are these long winding caves, there's one that's bioluminescent. And tell me about the Navi and animatronic because I haven't seen it. The very last section of the queue, you're going through a lab. And in the lab, there is a Navi animatronic that is 
floating in a water tank, kind of like the Bacta tank if you watch the Book of Boba Fett or, you know, you've seen Bacta tanks in Star Wars where a character is completely submerged in a water tank and they are purportedly healing. You know, that's the concept of that. You know, you saw that in Dragon Ball as well if you're an anime fan. The crazy thing about this animatronic, this Navi in the immersion tank is they are super lifelike and there are just small twitches and movements that this navi person has that really makes it look like it's a live person in there so it's pretty amazing um although we'll get to a more amazing animatronic later in this episode so it's a cool cue you kind of have three different sections the caves that the navi used to live in then bioluminescent caves where nature has taken back over and then of course the lab where you know humans are experimenting on everything very important news in 2019 19 they inserted a bathroom halfway through this queue so you no longer have to wait in a 90 minute two-hour queue without using the restroom or having to step out so big news there yeah i can't believe i didn't foresee this in advance of building pandora but hopefully lesson learned for future attractions i mean it was worse than that they had a water fountain and water bottle refiller so that just actually compounded the problem Goodness, I thought maybe they thought the uh, the height requirement would leave out the youngest of kids who would have more bathroom emergencies. But you know what? <laughs> Everybody can have bathroom emergencies, Disney. Yeah, and from someone who drinks a lot of Diet Coke in the parks, it's an issue. But uh, enough about that. Let's get to the pre-shows. There are two pre-shows. Tell us a little bit about what happens in the pre-shows and what are they explaining to you in the pre-shows as they set up the attraction for you. There's this awkward guy and he talks to you and he's telling you what you're about to do when you participate in this rite of passage on flight of passage. I mean, I guess there's like been a lot of memes about him and his speech, but I mean, what exactly he says, I I don't know if I (laughs) can give you a play-by-play, but yeah, two different rooms where you're going to be in different pre-shows. They're just kind of like holding areas to get you sorted into the right places and listen and get scanned and and all of that kind of stuff. It's basically killing time and just extending the queue. I won't spoil what uh, is very memeable about what he says. In fact, half of it is memeable. I mean, he's he's a very unique guy, which I guess is what you want in a pre-show. But yeah, you are linked to an avatar and then Dr. Jackie Ogden, who is like the person who perfected this technology. You know, they're just telling you all the fake science that is going behind this experience that you're about to do so that's the pre-shows you're in two pre-shows and you can get stuck in there a little bit if there are slow loaders ahead uh just bear that in mind but at least it feels a little bit less like a queue at that point now the attraction has four theaters with six rows per theater that can seat eight riders per row so that's seating 192 riders in total at one time but of course the four theaters are operating independently but you're going to be broken down into groups of eight as you get into the theater and you're going to all be lined up so let's go through the ride run through why don't you just start by telling us just kind of what type of attraction this is what are you going to actually be riding on what are you looking at as you're getting into your ride vehicle All right. So first things first, this is a 3D attraction. So you will be wearing 3D glasses. So I guess keep that in mind if that's an issue for for anybody in your traveling party. And what you'll be riding on is essentially a motorcycle-like vehicle. Because think about how you're straddling the Banshee. So you're straddling this motorcycle-like vehicle. And it 
locks down on your shins like you would kind of be locked into something. It does fit most people, but I have heard that some individuals feel kind of uncomfortable in this position. So if you have, I guess, injuries to your lower legs or ankles, that's something to keep in mind when you're riding it. And there, there is a test vehicle outside the ride if you have any questions, and you should definitely try that out before getting in the 60 or 90 or whatever minute queue. And then you're facing this huge IMAX screen. So think Soren on steroids. And it really gives you the feeling that you're flying because you're sort of able to capture that motion. Um, one thing we should mention too, you're going to be locked into this ride and you're straddling it. So if you have backpacks and things like that, there's a shelf behind the line of banshees, aka motorcycles, where you're going to put all of your loose items and things like that. So you're not going to be holding onto a backpack or anything like that. Yeah. So once you are locked in, it is pretty crazy. Yes, it is a mechanical thing that you're sitting on, but there's actually movement in the motorcycle. You actually kind of feel like in your legs that you are on a living, breathing animal because it's like pulsating as if the torso of the banshee that you're riding is breathing. So that is very cool. And the ride itself is four minutes long and you're basically flying and chasing a guide through Pandora. There are different vistas. There's like big waterfalls. You cut through forests. You fly over the ocean. There's a very cool moment where you go through a tidal wave. So it's kind of like you're surfing uh, on a half pipe in the water. I think that's what surfers call it. I don't know. And then it's just very awesome. You get sprayed at certain points and there are certain smells that you smell as you're flying throughout Pandora. Oh, we should have said at the beginning um, for those of you who are not familiar with Avatar that the Na'vi, these aliens who live on Pandora, they live on floating islands. And so that's why you have to use this technology to sync with them because you can't get up to the islands where they are because they're miles up in the sky. And so it's very cool as you're flying from floating island to floating island. Eventually you end up start fighting this big bad banshee, like kind of the alpha banshee uh, that is from the movies um, and so you fight that for a while and then there's a very nice quiet moment about two-thirds of the way through the ride where you get to take a breather and you end up in this cave and there's a bunch of bioluminescent plant life that light up from that cave and then you go on kind of one last run and you end with a great wide angle view of all the floating islands and the ocean and the animal life of Pandora. And so it's all very big and all very dramatic. We have linked a YouTube video with the ride in it if you want to see it in the show notes. So it's all pretty cool and it's all pretty intense, Leslie. Yeah, for sure. This is definitely a thrill ride. But in terms of thrill rides, I mean, it's not as scary as a coaster. It's more sort of awe inspiring. And you do have a couple of you feel like you're dropping straight down, you know, because the the visual makes you feel like you're taking a dive on the Banshee. Of course, you're not actually going that that much of an angle. It's like the the illusion that you get on Star Tours, something like that. So, you know, it is it is a thrill ride. But sometimes I think the visuals are so breathtaking that it distracts a lot of people from like the potential scariness of it. Now I say this as someone who has not taken my younger child on it yet. He will be riding it whether he likes it or not this summer for the first time. So maybe put a pin in that and we'll come back and talk about it on a future episode. But you've taken what at least one kid on it, right, Joe? Yep. Nine-year-old loves it. Six-year-old hates it. So I got to ride the six-year-old's extra lightning lane. So that worked out well. So yeah, I think the issue with it, and you know, let's get to who this attraction is for. Like you said, it is a thrill attraction, Leslie. And really anyone who is a thrill seeker and 
I feel like anyone who is old enough or tall enough really should try this attraction at least once. It's so unique as far as attractions go, not only at Disney World, but in all theme parks in all of the world. You do not need to care about Avatar at all for this. Yes, we've explained to you all the backstory, but people walk into this ride having no idea what's going on, and it really blows their mind. Like I said, my nine-year-old loved it. My wife loved it. And so if you listen to this podcast regularly, you know that that's a big deal as well. It's an amazing attraction and definitely worth a try for everyone. Now, who might not like the attraction? Like my friend, if you get motion sick easily, and I I think what happened to them was, you know, they don't go to theme parks regularly, and it is a very intense experience. I mean, imagine if you go to your local IMAX theater, but the seat is moving and it feels like you're flying into a canyon. Like that is a lot. And so my friend said to me, I, she said, I'm am- I was amazed that I didn't throw up in the middle of the ride. It's really not that bad. I mean, I I struggle from vertigo sometimes and I also get motion sick very easily. I'll feel a little queasy after the attraction, but it's generally worth it to me. But if you get motion sick easily or obviously if you're pregnant, have back pain, your body is a little bit more fragile than you may want to pass on the attraction. But I think if you're healthy and you're up for a little bit of thrills, I feel like everyone should try it. What do you think, Leslie? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's certainly a step down from a coaster in terms of what the thrills are. Like if you're if you're comfortable on Soren, then you should give this a shot. Comfortable on Slinky, you should give this a shot, I think. I also have Vertigo, aren't we old Joe? <laughs> and it does not bother me at all. There's certain attractions that do. Um, I think, you know, it's one of those things where you kind of want to keep your head aligned. Like if you're kind of turning and twisting your head or tilting your head that might be what triggers some motion sickness issues so keep that in mind but but yeah and again I said like the, if you have some issues with like legs and injuries there you might want to make sure that that things are right with the restraints definitely all right so how are you going to get on this attraction it is one of the individual lightning lanes I don't anticipate that ever changing unless Animal Kingdom comes up with some new e-ticket attraction like 10, 15 years from now. Current pricing is 11 to $14, but I expect that to go up over time as well. It's best to book directly at 7 a.m. or as we talked about in a previous episode, sometimes they'll drop more at 7, 17, 7, 18 a.m. I think if you want to buy the individual landing lane for this, really between 7 and 7.30, just keep refreshing your app for the first hour or so and try to purchase the individual lightning lane attraction selection for this it may also refresh randomly through the day if you see it pop up you really got to be fast on it and you need to jump on that as soon as possible for flight of passage i really suggest you know i like to use disney gift cards to buy a lot of stuff from the app but for flight of passage because individual lightning lanes have this annoying thing where they'll give you a time but by the time you're done paying they'll give you a later time i really suggest you just use your saved credit card to purchase it as fast as possible so you don't run into any of those issues. The only downside of having an individual lightning lane is missing the animatronic in the standby queue, but I don't feel like that's worth two hours in line because this attraction regularly is over an hour, at least posted, wait time and can get up to two hours on busy days. Now, what uh, strategies do you have for standby lines that uh, we have helpfully outlined in a post on your website, tripswithtikes.com that we will link. But tell us a little bit of the standby line strategies that we can use. Of course. And that post was authored by Joe. So definitely be sure to go check it out. I mean, really the only standby line strategy, because it is it is a long wait, is to rope drop the attraction. So the question is, you know, how early do you need to be queued up um, at Animal Kingdom? And you really have to be queued up at the turnstiles for Animal Kingdom at least 20 minutes before the official 
early theme park entry time. And of course, if you're staying off site and you don't have early theme park entry, there is no strategy for you. So this is for guests who are on property and you have to go straight there and you have to walk fast and you have to not pass go. Rope drop for flight of passage is a competitive sport. As I said, I've done it once. It was pre-pandemic and it was cray cray. (laughs) It definitely is. So be prepared. I mean, if you have strollers, things like that, that are going to slow you down, people are going to jostle you. It's going to be a little bit, a little bit crazy. So go straight there. And of course, the ride does have rider switch as well for guests um, who are too young or too scared to ride. That's a tricky to do at rope drop time because you have to wait for a cast member to scan your passes and load the allotment and you'll get aced by other guests who are just filing into the queue ahead of you. So rope drop is a great strategy if you're fast, but it's not great if you have some sort of an asterisk like you want to use something like rider switch. Yeah, I would say If I was rider switching, I would probably go around lunchtime um, and you'd have to have a smaller family to do this. But then I would have one adult just wait through the entire queue while second adult takes the kids to go eat and maybe go on another attraction. And then when adult one has gone through the entire queue, adult two can ride at their leisure. So only one person waits. I mean, that's kind of the simple way to do rider switch. The other thing that we should say is if you're not towards the front, Like if the standby queue and they leave it outside of the actual queue in the morning, if it's pushed out past Pandora, I would say forget about it and go later because that's probably at least 40 minutes. Although I guess 40 minutes is maybe better than the rest of the day, but very early You'll have to decide whether you want to ride on a couple of other attractions that are going to be walk-ons or wait 40 minutes for a flight of passage. So that's kind of one of the things you're going to need to think about. All right, so we're going to close out our flight of passage talk with our attraction review and tier. We are going to use the Japanese tiering system which goes S is the highest tier and then A, B, C, D, and F. Little background, video game people will know, and yes, I'm throwing this in here because I'm a nerd, but S tier existed because in Japan, anything lower than a C was considered failure. So for video games and stuff, they created an S tier to kind of give more positive tiers to have. And S tier means like the very, very best, better than an A. So Leslie, what tier would you put this and what's your attraction review for Flight of Passage? Yeah, this is an S. (laughs) There are only going to be a couple and we're starting with the big one for me. I mean, this makes my jaw drop every time I ride it. So yeah, it's all downhill from here, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I took a couple of breaks on a couple of trips from riding this attraction and rode it again in February. And yeah, this is definitely an S tier attraction. Like we said, anyone who has any remote interest in this should give it a try. It is more likely than not that it will blow your mind. Definitely check out Flight of Passage. Now, this will be a lot shorter. We want to break down the second attraction in Pandora at Disney's Animal Kingdom, and that is called Navi River Journey. Now, for the attraction history and all that, it opened at the same time, so we went through all that already. There is no height requirement. The premise and backstory is still, you're still there with Ace Expeditions, but this time you're taking kind of like a slow boat ride through the jungle of Pandora. Honestly, one of the weakest parts of this attraction is that the story is just super flimsy. There kind of is no story. Uh, You're just kind of going through and looking at pretty bioluminescent lights. The queue is mostly outside but covered. It's almost like a Pandoran tiki room. Thatched huts and thatched roofs and lighting that is native to Pandora with blown glass lamps and stuff like that. But it's really not, it's it's nothing compared to the Flight of Passage queue. It's pretty whatever. I mean, it's, it's nice and it's pretty to look at. But again, there's very kind of little story. Yeah, I guess 
you could say the queue is themed, but not too much. And at the very end, you enter a cave, which is where you get on the attraction. There are no pre-shows. So let's uh, get straight to the attraction. Leslie, tell us what's happening on Navi River Journey. All right. So you're hopping aboard a boat and these kind of look like small world boats, maybe chopped in half. There are two rows per boat and you can fit four people across per row. So it definitely is. It's a small world in Pandora. And as you're riding it, there's a song that's sort of present throughout the attraction that's very catchy. I don't really know how to describe it, but... You're really just taking in the scenery around you. You're seeing various wildlife in Pandora, seeing lots of things light up, lots of bioluminescence. There are some screens and there's a lot of physical things and animatronics, tiny little animatronics that are moving and flashing. So this is just one of those rides where you just sit there and you want to just turn your head and take in everything around you and look for the little details because I mean that's what Disney does so well is they really are are into the details so even though the story is kind of is kind of lacking and this isn't necessarily one of Disney's best attractions the attention to detail in the scenery that you're seeing is still quite impressive. So be sure to look up, down, and all around when you're riding this. And then, of course, the end is the highlight. There is a shaman at the end, uh, a Navi animatronic character who is singing and moving. And th- at the time this was released, this was truly Disney's crowning achievement. I mean, it still is in terms of its audio animatronic figures. So that's kind of the payoff at the end of the ride is just seeing this character and seeing how lifelike this character is because that's, I guess, what you're waiting for. Yeah, if the Navi animatronic in the Flight of Passage queue is twitching, this one is full-blown, moving, and just looks so fluid. You know, if you didn't know better and you caught a quick glance, you would think it's like a real living alien from a distance but definitely agree this attraction is more flash than substance they do some nifty things with screens and perspective like multiple screens like a screen behind a screen behind a screen no there's only two but it's interesting but not uh you know i like it it's a small world better (laughs) spoiler alert but uh who is this attraction for pretty much anyone could ride this this is one of the attractions and this is why this attraction is great because this is one of the attractions that you can take your entire family on from the youngest to the oldest and so that's great this attraction is also you know what i like to call one of those chill rides like if you just want to chill out and sit in a slow moving vehicle and just enjoy your surroundings this attraction is for you uh, who might not like this attraction leslie so i guess people who are thrill ride junkies who are going to get bored really quickly but the ride isn't that long it's really hard to get bored and i think the complaints about this attraction are not necessarily about the attraction but about having to wait a long time for this ride. That's really, I mean, if this wait was only ever 15 minutes, then people would be happy with this ride. But this this wait can get quite long. And I think that's what maybe takes it down a notch in many people's opinion because, you know, they're in Pandora, they've done Flight of Passage. That's just such an amazing ride. So anything's going to pale in comparison. And then they have to go and wait, you know, an hour for a small, it's a small world um, that's lit up or something like that. And, and you know, you wouldn't necessarily do that for a slow boat ride. So that's, that's really the complaint, at least in my opinion, is that the wait for it, the usual wait for it a lot of times of day isn't really justifiable for what the ride delivers. Yeah, so let's talk about those standby line strategies. I took a look today, Leslie, and the line was 75 minutes at 1 p.m. Yikes. It's just way too much for how short this attraction is. I personally would say, even if you've never done it, 
don't go if the standby is posted at bigger than 30 minutes. It's just you're not going to feel like it was worth it at the end. Although Animal Kingdom doesn't have that many attractions, so maybe you can wait the time. Obviously, we're biased since uh, we really hate waiting in lines. Now, in terms of strategy, if you rope drop, or let's say you rope drop with a group that's going to Flight of Passage, but not everyone in your group is going to go on Flight of Passage, you can pretty much ride this ride as many times as you want at park open for like the first half hour. It doesn't start really backing up until maybe half an hour after the park is open to everyone. But within the first 30 minute early theme park entry and like the first 30 minutes of actual theme park being open, you're not going to see lines that are longer than 10, 15 minutes. So you can ride that a couple of times, especially if you have a kid who's really into it and wants to do it a couple of times. Unlike Flight of Passage, if you go really late, like 5, 6, 7 p.m., the lines do finally drop by that point. So you can wait in a standby queue that's less than 30 minutes by that time on most nights. But really the way to do this is if you've purchased Genie Plus, you just want to get a Genie Plus Lightning Lane for this. It does back up very quickly. I found on most days it is the Genie Plus Lightning Lane that books up second fastest after Kilimanjaro Safaris. That being said, it just feels worth it to use one of your Genie Plus allotments on this attraction because the standby queues get so long and they're just not worth what this ride is. Yeah, I totally agree. And a lot of people do skip Genie Plus in Animal Kingdom if they're not buying it for their length of ticket. You can skip it there, but if you have it, definitely make it a priority right behind Kilimanjaro Safaris. But that may keep you in Animal Kingdom longer into the day and that may not be what everyone necessarily wants to do. So you may need to have a little bit of a rope drop strategy and individual lightning lane strategy for uh, Flight of Passage to be able to get in and get out if that's your goal to just spend maybe a morning in Animal Kingdom. Yeah, if this works for your family, what I would actually say is instead of buying Genie Plus for Animal Kingdom, if you don't want to buy Genie Plus, buy Flight of Passage, Rope Drop Navi River Journey, Kilimanjaro Safaris doesn't open for early theme park entry. So Rope Drop Navi and then be at Kilimanjaro Safaris at actual park open time and you'll have three of the rides covered at animal kingdom just straight off the bat so if your family can do that that's a good way to handle things all right so navi river journey attraction review and tier what say you leslie all right it's a b for me and that might be higher than a lot of people rate it i don't know i I think it's a beautiful ride it's a nice air conditioning break it takes in the the sights and the sounds of pandora for me so it, it's usually a must ride for me as long as i can have a strategy where i'm not waiting in a, in a super long line and and there aren't that many attractions in animal kingdom so take it or leave it i guess what about you joe yeah, I do think this is a C-tier attraction for me. So passing grade under the Japanese system, it's fine, but it's nothing that I am dying to do. If I don't have Genie Plus for the day, I'm not going to feel like I missed out on Navi River Journey if I didn't get to ride it. So C-tier attraction, it's solid. It's part of a well-balanced theme park experience, but you don't really need it. So that's why I don't have it higher. Also, I feel like I am generally an easy grader, so I got to give someone a hard grade and might as well give it to Navi River Journey in the same episode that we're comparing it to the S tier Flight of Passage. Fair point. I'm waiting to see what you rate Alien Swirling Saucers and Barnstormer. (laughs) Oh boy. Hopefully Ride Guide never gets to those attractions. (laughs) Then we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel when we're totally out of ideas. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. We will do Monsters Inc. Laugh though. Don't worry. Okay, good. People. For old time's sake. For all time's sake. All right, everyone. That does it for our ride guide for the attractions of Pandora. Before we get out of here, let's leave you with a quick Disney 
do or don't. Leslie, do you have a Pandora Disney do or don't for us? All right, Disney do. While you are in Pandora, you really should make it a priority to dine at Satuli Canteen. It's still one of Walt Disney World's best quick service restaurants, in my opinion. A menu that's just a little bit unique, a little bit different, but still has favorites that your kids will eat and some more exotic things that grownups will enjoy. So it's one of my favorites and definitely planning to go back on my next trip. All right, great tip. Thanks. If you have thoughts on Flight of Passage and Navi River Journey, let us know where you'd put them in your tier rankings for Disney World attractions. S A B C D or F. You can email us dizzydeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, Dizzy Deciphered. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Hopefully, you enjoyed this. Let us know what you thought of this new ride guide series. Other than that, Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and I will see you memorizing the script for the Flight of Passage pre-show. Thanks, Joe.